All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Thanks for joining me again, everyone. Today I've got a special guest, William Hartshorn, master of the picture postcard image. He's been photographing for many years and leads photographic adventures is what he calls them. He takes on his clients range anywhere from 11 years old all the way to 91. So let's tune in and get some tips on photography, favorite places. He's based out of Southern California. He's got some upcoming photographic adventures to Route 66, the Yukon to capture the Northern Lights, and often goes to Las Vegas and gets some of those incredible souvenir images that you see on the postcard racks, on keychains, anything imaginable, these beautiful night scenes of Vegas and the Strip. So let's get started. William's got a lot of great information about camera gear and so much more. And welcome, William. Thanks for joining me today. Great, April. Nice to be on with you and the group. Uh, thanks for uh, inviting me. You're welcome. So take us back to when you first fell in love with the <laughs> camera and using the camera to express your creativity. Well, this is probably back when I was a, a youngster. I mean, my grandfather gave me a box camera, um, and I was playing with that up in the Arrowhead, and we did our things up there, and I was playing games with that and took some photos and had some fun, but I didn't really take on to it until I got older because I was more into art and uh, um, design and uh, things like that, so I did a lot of art classes and things like that through school. Mm-hmm. But then uh, as I got older, uh, I got into sports and the whole bit. I didn't do anything with the photography. And even when I was in school, uh, <laughs> it was so bad. We used to even kind of tease the, tease the guys that were doing the photography because we were the jocks and wearing the jackets and doing everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was kind of, kind of crazy. But the funny thing about it was I ended up <clears throat> buying a uh, camera from one of the guys I used to tease. Um, his father owned a camera store in West Los Angeles called John Fine Cameras. And um, we ended up being good friends, and he followed me in my work throughout the times that I bought my first camera and my, got into my first uh, Canon big camera and uh, took it from there. So it just was a, a long ride, but I never took any photo classes uh, at all. So everything has been self-taught. Oh, that's great. Have you had any mentors along the way? Uh, not really. I, I've always followed uh, David Mensch, um, Tom Till, and um, but uh, David Mensch was always uh, the one that I would I would watch and follow and buy the books and try to emulate and create images uh, similar to his. Um, I'd always see him in Arizona Highways magazine. You ever mm -hmm. hear that? Yeah. Um, and I would see his work and his father, Joseph, and uh, try to go to some of the places he was at and see what he saw and try to get the whole feeling and sense of place of the area. And 
create that in my images. So was there ever um, a backup career as such? I mean, it doesn't sound like you may have started making money right away, like most of us don't in photography. Uh, no, actually, I was, um, you know, I was basically in retail uh, most of my life. Um, I was probably in retail for 40 years and, um, you know, worked for hardware stores and grocery stores. And then I finally got into retail and, um, you know, for home improvement. And after the home improvement started, uh, I worked in there for about 10 years. I don't know if you remember Builders Emporium and uh, Target and... Mm -hmm. I finally ended up at uh, a lumber company in Santa Monica, uh, Fisher Lumber, and I was there for 25 years. And throughout all of this time, I was still taking photos and um, enjoying sunsets. I'd, I'd get off at 5 o'clock and go straight down to the beach and take pictures at sunset and twilight. And that's what got me going on the, the, the twilight look and, um, you know, the afterglow after sunset and moonlight and, and things like that in my photography. So when did you first find commercial success? I mean, when did you first sell your first image? Because I believe you mentioned at one point it was with postcards, correct? Uh, yes. Um, it's, it's funny because I, I, I would always see postcards out on the souvenir racks. And I remember telling my family and uh, my grandfather, who would always... Um, you know, light my fire and tell me to go do something with it. So sure enough, I, I saw some of these postcards and I contacted the postcard company. It was called Midtalk Publishing mm -hmm. uh, out in the valley. And um, I contacted Mr. Midtalk and set up an appointment and went out to his office and uh, introduced myself. And he said, well, who are you? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, what do you have for me? And I, I introduced myself and... Um, told him that I, I liked his pictures, but I, I thought that possibly I could take pictures as well or even better than what he had on his rack. Wow. <laughs> so he, uh, he really challenged me, and I, I, I think I kind of insulted him and it, it, at the time, insulted him, but he, he basically pulled me under his wing and walked me back to his warehouse, and he told me to pull 25 postcards out of his warehouse. And so he... He, I got all the postcards, went back into his office, and he told me, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to go back out and get, get me 25 new shots that look better than me. Wow. And, of course, you know, then I had a challenge, and it's like, wow, now what do I do? Yeah. I opened my mouth, and now i got to follow through. And <laughs> <laughs> So sure enough, I did it for about three months, and... Uh, went out and took the photos and contacted him, went back and showed him the pictures. And sure enough, he ended up buying 12 pictures from me. Wow. Oh, right away. 12. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that, that was pretty exciting. So. <laughs> <laughs> so did you always work so with it, the same um, postcard publisher or where did it kind of evolve from there then? Well, actually, uh, I worked with him for a while, and then he had he had competition, of course, throughout mm -hmm. Los Angeles. There was a bunch of different companies that did souvenir products, and uh, another company contacted me on the fly and told me that they wanted to use some of my pictures as well. And I said, well, you know, Mr. Mittock won't let me take pictures for anybody else, and that's when I learned that 
I was a free agent and I could sell to whoever I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he, he gave me an offer and he, he said he was going to double whatever Mr. Mittock was paying uh, to get, get him pictures. He was going to bring a whole new postcard line into Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So long story short, he ended up buying 40 photos from me. Wow. And uh, he put them into postcards and keychains and magnets. And uh, so that was a pretty good deal for me in the beginning. And from that point on, it basically snowballed and, and rolled into bigger things. And I ended up dealing with bigger postcard companies like Impact. And um, that was my biggest goal was to get published by Impact. Yeah. And once I did that, um, I started contacting people like Sierra Club and um, the Wilderness Society, and and they ended up pulling some of my shots as well. So uh, once that got started, it just took off, and you know I still worked my normal job, but I was doing the photography on the side and on the weekends, and it all worked out really well. And uh, I met a lot of new people and friends, and got to new locations, and learned how to chase the light and the color and sunrise, sunset, twilight, moonlight. So it's, it's all been a, a real challenge and uh, it's an adventure. It's a true adventure for me. So it's, it's ongoing and uh, I enjoy it to, to the fullest. Yeah. Is there one image that kind of stands out as one of your favorites or one that's like just one that you still look at and just kind of go, wow, I, I took that, I captured that. Well, I'm, I'm sure you, as a photographer, you know what it's like uh, to, to see something and and uh, it just jumps out to, at you and you know you're at the right place at the right time, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's magic. So I, I know in, in Yosemite, I mean, this kind of happened for me and this is how I got connected to the Sierra Club, was um, it was a... I was going to Yosemite for the first time on my own, and I wanted to take pictures of Yosemite Falls. Mm-hmm. So I got there in the late afternoon, and um, the sun was already gone, so it was getting dark, and I really couldn't see what it looked like too too well. So I said, okay, maybe I'll just get out here for sunrise in the next morning. So I went to the hotel, spent the night, got up really early, and back in those days, I didn't I didn't think about the concept of the sun rising and how long it would take to get high enough to <laughs> to come over the, the cliffs to hit the base of the falls. Right. So, you know, you get up early for sunrise. It's 6 o'clock, but it, it doesn't peek over the mountain until 7.15 or 7.30 to hit the waterfall, right? Right, yeah. So you're sitting at the base of the falls freezing your tail off. And <laughs> Anyways, I get to the falls, and I get set up, and I'm just sitting there freezing. And, uh, you know, have you been to the base of the falls? Yes. Fall? Oh, yes. And you know how you, how you get the, the water if you've got a pounding falls, and right. it comes and gets all over you, and you get completely soaked. So, sure enough, I'm I'm hunched down under, under one of the bridges by a tree and not letting the water <laughs> hit me and, and uh, freezing my tail off. And then I, I notice the sun's getting higher, and I see these shadows of um, of the sunlight you know it's 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 rising in the east so the shadows are dropping down on the wall the granite wall where the waterfall is right so sure enough as it as it drops down i'm looking at it and i start to see color in the upper left hand corner of the frame oh nice and i'm saying wow what's going on here 
And sure enough, as the sun continues to rise, you know, the, the shadow goes down and this rainbow starts to appear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's when my my adrenaline started to pump and, you know, I had goosebumps all over me and um, I, I'm running to get my tripod set up, get the camera set up and run to the bridge. And sure <laughs> enough, by, by the time I get there, the rainbow is just in peak form and it's just, you know, it comes out to be a double rainbow. Oh, beautiful. Um, this is this is one of the moments in time that that you never know is going to happen, but you just you just watch out for and uh, you're always keep an eye open. And um, so this is one of the places that that I'm really endeared to. And uh, you know, it's it's an amazing photo. It's an amazing uh, experience. And um, just just doing that and capturing it. Um, I was excited. I got great images, and back in those days, it was film, so you don't even know what you got. Right, no. <laughs> so sure enough, I get home, and I find these great images with this rainbow, and I ended up submitting it to the Sierra Club, and they ended up using it on a note card and other souvenirs, and it was one of their best-selling cards for many, many years. So. Oh, wonderful. Um, it's been on posters and things like that. So that that was one of the best images, I'd, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. So conversely, is there any of those missed images that kind of keep us awake at night? Because it's like, for one reason or another, <laughs> it happens and yeah. we're not ready or... No? Well, no, you, you've always got to be ready for the unexpected. Um, it's even like... You know, just watching a thunderstorm or, um, you know, you drive along, you're, you're dealing with weather and you never know what to expect. But I'm always on the lookout for rainbows. I'm always watching the sky. Uh, that's the biggest trick uh, that I think some of my photo adventurers in our photo group are learning is how to read the sky. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I, I really like to do is is follow the follow the weather and I follow the sky and um, try to get out on days where we we hope something's going to happen you never know but a lot of times you'll see clouds in a certain area you may have something planned for the day but sometimes we'll drive towards the clouds to try to get something happening uh, with the sky when it comes for sunset right definitely so when did you start leading the adventures as you call them well, I, um, I basically was doing it all on my own uh, for, for a long, long time until probably, probably 2000, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was always pretty private and I wouldn't tell anybody where I took photos. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't want to give away my location. No, not, well, not when so, you're selling them. That kind of makes sense. Right. So... You know, you get to a point, as I'm sure you know, you've got certain areas and places that you go to that are private and you don't want to share. And, right. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of a pristine place for you. But uh, over time and as um, as I was in the business, as long as I've been, and I've been fortunate to, to sell my photos to many people, uh, you know, you get to a point to where now it's it's, it's great. You've made, made some made a living and um, you've enjoyed it and you're able to share it with others. So 
now the best part with the adventures is just getting other people up and out and into places where they'd normally never find on their own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say it started after uh, 2000, and I met up uh, with a friend, and we started doing uh, uh, adventures with people and uh, doing photo presentations. And uh, I remember doing a presentation for you and your group uh, a while back. And uh, what was it, San Gabriel or... Oh, Santa Clarita. Yeah, Santa Clarita. Yeah. So, you know, just uh, just trying to share the, the places and the images to try to get other people involved. I mean, that's that's the, you know, that's the reward now for me is mm -hmm. uh, to get other people involved and get them to places where I know they normally wouldn't get to on their own. So what are some of the locations you take your adventurers? Well, you know, the photographic adventurers group, um, is, uh, you know, there's like 1,200 members. Uh, wow. And it, it's like, um, you've heard of meetup.com? Yep. Yeah, so you go to meetup.com slash photographic adventurers uh, and uh, check out the page. And it's, it's got upcoming trips. We do day trips and uh, local trips. And then we do overnight trips. We're actually... Heading out to Route 66 next weekend oh, nice. uh, to uh, go out to Calico and some of the some of the back roads of places that uh, that I know and try to share with others and uh, and then in a couple weeks later we're going to be heading out towards uh, Route 66 again out to we'll start out in Las Vegas and work our way down to you know to Kingman and out to uh, the Grand Canyon down to Sedona mm -hmm. and then back out through Laughlin and come back from Laughlin back into L.A. So it's like a four-night four, four night trip and five days, and it's a great adventure. You see a lot of places that you normally wouldn't see, but you try to get out there at the right time of day to, to capture the light. Right. So how big are the groups that generally go? Well, our local, uh, our local like, afternoon and evening trips, we can get up to... 12 to 15 people mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes on the multi-day adventures we can get up to like 6 to 10 or 6 to 12 but you know you get too many people it's hard to give a lot of hands-on uh, help with everybody and people can kind of get lost in the mix so I, I try to keep the adventure groups a little more intimate uh, so everybody feels involved and connected right so what are some things people need to prepare themselves if they're going to take an adventure? I mean, sometimes the word adventure, people kind of like, oh, wow, are we going to go hiking? <laughs> are we, you know, how adventurous are, are these trips? Well, I, I always have to keep that in mind because I know there's a lot of things I, I know I would do on my own that a lot of my adventurers can't do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've, I'm, my youngest adventurer is like uh, 12 or 13, wow. and my oldest is 90. So, um, yeah, I have to keep that in mind, and sometimes my older adventurers that are in their 70s, and, and even my, my oldest adventurers can run circles around some of the, <laughs> some of the 20 and 30-year-olds. So. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's, it's fun. Everybody, it's, 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 a, it's a great group. It's a great family. We all try to help each other. There's no stress. And uh, we just try to get to different locations, help each other out, try to see the image, and 
and capture it and everybody sees things differently so mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things I was always worried about was taking people to my locations and and then having them you know get the shots and it's like now it's like you know I had to learn from my grandfather that you know nobody's going to see it or capture it the same way I will or no. the same way uh-huh. April will April right. will you know you're, right. you're going to capture it completely different than I will and you know, we might be at the same location if Yosemite Falls and you'll shoot it one way, I'll shoot it another way, but we'll still capture the light and be happy with the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always a pleasure when you get, you know, yeah, and you, so, like you said, there's so many different eyes. People see things so differently. Absolutely. And energy. I mean, everybody's got a certain amount of energy and they can only go so far and sometimes I can go... <laughs> You know, they say I'm the energizer bunny sometimes, and I gotta slow down. So um, <laughs> I just I just get excited to get people to different spots, and then then I see them get excited about seeing the light and capturing it. And then when the skies work with us and Mother Nature cooperates, you know, we've got thunderstorms, or we got rainbows, or we got a sky that's on fire. I mean, that's that's what I live for is to uh, give give people that inspiration and sense of place once they get to the location uh, to capture the light. Mm-hmm. So what's a typical day like on one of your your outings, your tours? Well, a lot of times we, you know, we'll start like, um, depends on the day or where we're located. Um, okay. It's like, like the one we're going to do in uh, uh, for Route 66 in Calico next week, we'll probably meet like at 10 o'clock at uh, one of the museums mm-hmm. and uh, at one of the Route 66 museums. And uh, I'm good friends with them, so they they have a nice warm welcome for us and sometimes have cookies and coffee and a whole bit for us. And then, you know, we'll see all the stuff at the museum and then go to different locations along the way. And uh, so you start around 10 and... Um, get a good lunch somewhere and try to stop at different different spots that normal people wouldn't find on their own. Right. And um, and then you get out to Calico and then out to the other museums like the train museums and uh, other parts of Route 66. Do you and, do um, some critiques with people? I'm sorry. Do, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Do, do, do you do any critiques with people when they're out or do you do that afterwards? Oh, absolutely. No, I, I'll, I'll um, you know, people will ask me how to frame or how to see or how to capture something, and, you know, I'll, I'll try to get them to the spot, but if they want any technical uh, questions or uh, anything about how, how to see or frame an image, I'm always willing to help. And, uh, you know, most of the people on our adventure group are very helpful, too. So if I'm, if I'm kind of tied up with somebody... Mm-hmm. Everybody else is always willing to help uh, anybody with the group or any new people that are coming out to uh, chase the light with us. Yeah, that's great. So we talked a little bit about storage, just you and I offline, but let's talk a little bit about storage. I mean, now that we have these cameras and even the cell phones, I mean, they can take a lot of photos, the, I mean, the image sizes are, you know, the file sizes are larger. And then it's like, you know, not everybody gets to them right away. So do you have any tips on, you know, storage or what to do with them or where to put them? Because 
after a while, you know, you can't just, you know, a lot of times buying a, putting them on a CD or DVD isn't always the best idea, you know. Right. Well, for the most part, I, I've got, uh, I've got two main cameras that I use. And um, as far as the storage goes, I, I try not to go any larger than a, uh, a 32 gigabyte or 16 gigabyte card oh, for my cameras. Uh, because I, I've heard so many situations where some of my students have lost all their images because of a defunct uh, card. Wow. So, so I'd rather go with a smaller card mm -hmm. um, and have more cards than to have a larger card. Like, let's say you go to a big trip to Italy or something, you end up using a 64 gigabyte card. Yeah. And something goes wrong with the, something goes wrong with your card what's going to happen to all your images and you've got everything on one card. So if you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say everybody's got their own way and uh, way of storage and things like that. But um, I think the max I've ever used is a 32 gigabyte card, but I, I get a good deal on the cards and I keep them on file. I don't format the cards. Uh, do you format yours? I format mine in, in camera once I've copied them, but you don't format them at all. Right. Well, a lot of times, uh, if I've got if I've got a, a situation where I've got an amazing uh, experience, let's say I'm chasing a thunderstorm, right. and I've got great great images, and and at the same time I'm getting rainbows and the weather, and I fill my card up with images that are irreplaceable, I'll save that card. I mean, I'll still download it onto an external. Mm -hmm. And then I'll take it on there and I'll put it on a portable. And then I also take my images and put them on portable hard drives and I put them in a safe in a bank. So if anything happens to my external hard drive that's on my computer at home, I've always got a backdrop on a portable that's inside a bank and uh, or in another location. So if there's a oh, fire or I get robbed or anything like that, right. I've always got my images backed up. Um, for, for future use if needed. But mm -hmm. I also still have the cards uh, in, a, in a safe if I've got images that, that I know are irreplaceable. Oh, that's really smart. That's so true. Do you use any type of cloud storage? I know a lot of people, you know, there's, you know, if you've got Amazon Prime, they offer unlimited cloud storage. And how do you feel about cloud storage? I don't like cloud storage. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, a lot of times, even with my phone, I mean, trying to get access to the cloud storage, um, I mean, I, it, it, it goes automatically to that, but I don't use it to save my main imagery. Um, a lot of times, I'll, I'll try to do what I can and get it on. If I've got it on my phone, if I want to download it, I'll download it from my phone to my computer, and I've still got it backed up on the cloud, but I don't, I don't go and... I don't have a cloud access for any of my imagery uh, outside of my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like a good a good plan. So talk well, a little. Well, it's just. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead and complete your thought. Yeah, it's just I, I've I've just never been real uh, trusting of the clouds. I mean, you don't know who's getting into your images. You don't know who's got access, and a lot of times trying to get the images from the cloud can be difficult, even just for my cell phone. 
Mm-hmm. So, and then I've heard of other other um, students or fellow photographers who've had issues with trying to get their images downloaded within a certain time period, and they have trouble getting access. Yeah, it is a challenge. The other thing is with the internet. You know, um, yeah, it's a it's a fine line. I know it, especially for yourself. You know, you you're wanting people to join your photo adventures and you want to share some of your images, but there's also that question of, um, you know, watermarking or how do you protect your images online or what are your thoughts about choosing things that you put out on the internet that people, you know, it's all over the internet, people can see them and enjoy them, but also the converse maybe, unfortunately, you know, take them, I guess you'd say, or use them. Well, you know, it's like with Facebook and a lot of these programs now, I mean, your images are basically accessible to everybody and anything in the world. So um, it all depends on you and your situation or my students and their, their, their situation. I mean, I protect my images and I don't put really large files out, mm-hmm. uh, even online, because people can still copy the images. They can take your watermark out of an image. Um, but I always be sure to put metadata into my images and most of my publishers are always asking for metadata on every one of my images for my calendar companies. I have to put metadata into every single image and, um, you know, a lot of times when you're submitting up to 500 images, it's going to be really time consuming, uh, because you've got different, you've got a different image 500 times. Right. So that's at a different spot, different location, different everything. But, I mean, I know there's programs where you can kind of put everything into all your images, but you still have to do separate things for each image if you've got a different picture. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as far as, uh, yeah, just try to get metadata into your pictures. I know a lot of people don't even know about metadata. Do you put it into yours? Um, I've used it some, but I'm not, you know, like current, the last year or so, I haven't been putting as many images, to be honest, out on the internet, or like you said, I try to choose smaller images, or, you know, maybe not the, you know, a similar image, but it it is, it's a challenge always, because you do want to share your best work, because you want people to be like, wow, look at that, I really want to go there, and, and look what she got. But then there's the right. opposite of like if it's something that you want to hopefully use in a fine art show or sell to a client, you know, you it's it's a, it's a constant kind of mental challenge in a way. I mean, you do want, like I said, I, I don't have a problem, you know, with sharing the images or wanting people to be interested in going, but then there's the converse of which ones to share and quality and that type of thing. So to be honest, I haven't used metadata maybe as much as I should. Well, you probably should since you you get your images out to other people for use, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so yeah, people like you or myself uh, or other professionals that are giving their images to clients for products and things like that, it's always good to have that in your images to protect it and then um, to always back it up. But I may have images that I took from a trip that, that I want to share, but let's say I've got five images that I know I don't want anybody else to have. I won't right. put those out unless I'm going to give those to a publisher. Right. So 
I just did a major job in Las Vegas. I do a lot of work in Las Vegas for souvenir products, um, for any any imaginable souvenir. Uh, you'll probably some of, see some of my images on those kind of products in Las Vegas. But um, I just got a major uh, job where I, I got onto some rooftops oh, wow. in Las Vegas that, that um, have images of the strip almost nobody can, can capture. I mean, I got access to the roofs and I did some major work shooting across to different towers and... Uh, you know, capturing the light from different angles uh, where they set me up on different rooftops to capture their buildings. Oh, so, beautiful. Um, so those are images that I want to give to them before I, I ever show to anybody else. So right. uh, those are the images that you want to protect and you want to, uh, to keep aside before putting them out into the public for other people to see and take. And <laughs> you don't know what they're going to do with your images. So you've got to be cautious. Right, exactly. So when you get these really amazing assignments, like a hotel or um, someone in, you know, maybe it's the Vegas visitor, you know, place or whatever contacts you to, to photograph, like let's say Las Vegas, as you just did, do you oftentimes get to suggest the time that you'd like to photograph or particular time of year only because as a landscape photographer, you know different times of year or nights might be more beneficial or more productive or is it pretty much on a deadline where it's like nope we need you here we got security you need to come next weekend no actually um i've been truly fortunate with that they basically leave it up to me oh nice uh, to to try to work it around my schedule and 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 like i say they you know sometimes i, I get deals with the hotels where they'll they'll put me up in their hotel and mm -hmm. um They'll give me access to their roofs, but they'll have security with me. Right. Uh, you know, after 9-11, I mean, everything got really tight as far as access and and uh, security is so tight. And now, now with this thing that's that's happened in Vegas, I'm sure it's going to be tighter. Right. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's. I've known a lot of these companies for many many years. I've been shooting Las Vegas since 1980. Oh my goodness! So, wow. You know, watching the change of Las Vegas and uh, is just truly unimaginable. And the images I used to take with film, compared to what I'm capturing now with uh, digital, I mean, it's just amazing to see the transformation of what it was and what it's become. And I mean, it's constantly building and changing, so it's 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 ongoing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you just got to be there at the right time. I try to go there during the summer when the thunderstorms are there. Right. We were there last last uh, couple weeks with a photo adventure group, and I had some students with me, and we had, you know, we were there for two nights and got great shots of the city. And the last night there, we had an amazing thunderstorm that was there for an hour. Oh wow! And, uh, some of the students <laughs> were a little a little nervous and. They said, well, this is adventurous, Will, but I don't know if I'm willing to go chase uh, lightning. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, once, once we got them out into the element and it was far enough away that they could see it without being hurt or, or injured and they caught the pictures, everybody was pretty excited. So, oh, yeah. yeah it, was, it was an amazing trip and an amazing adventure. So. Oh, wonderful. So you mentioned digital. Are you 100% digital now? Yes. 
Yes, uh, I, I struggled getting on to digital from the beginning. I mean, I did a lot of stuff on film, but all of my publishers and my clients were all over me to get get on board and get with it. Uh, I did go a little slow, but once I did, then realized that it wouldn't take anything but digital. I had to reassess my situation and get the right cameras and the right equipment, so I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Do you do a lot of post-processing, or what's your thoughts on post-processing, programs like Photoshop, um, some of the tools that are out there for after you've captured the image? Well, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, a lot of times I'll do some work on, on images to a point, and then, um, you know, basically to sharpen it up, get the colors correct, and sometimes emphasize some of the photos that were that were a big part of the scene, uh, it's tough because what I do on my computer might be different than what you see on your computer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times, um, you know, the, the imagery that I work on, I'll, have, I'll see it one way, but I'll send it to my publishers, and they'll completely change it from, from what it was initially. Oh, wow. So that's the hard part with dealing with a publisher because they have an art department and they do things a certain way. They'll frame it a certain way. They'll prop it a certain way. So you never know what's going to happen with the image once it's out of your hands. Interesting. So let's talk about, I, I, I always bring this segment up with all the pro photographers that I speak with. What's in your camera bag? Uh, what's in? <laughs> let's see. Well... I've got uh, I've got basically two cameras, uh, just two cameras. I've got my my 5D Mark III by Canon. Uh huh. And uh, with that camera, I've got my 24 to 105 lens. Right. Uh, that's my basic go-to lens. And I also have a 17 to 40 for wide-angle use. Mm-hmm. But I do have two bodies. So I've got one I've got one that I use and one that I have as a backup that I rotate all the time. So I've always got a backup uh camera. That's smart. So you but you are when you're photographing you're only using one at a time? One at a time, but uh if something were to go wrong with the camera that I'm using, I've always got a backup if I'm out on a job or like mm -hmm. if I'm not chasing fall colors and I'm back east and uh, if I'm in Italy or something, I always want to have a backup plan uh, to to make sure I've got uh, the right equipment to work with. Right. What kind of tripod are you so, using? I use the Slick. Um, it's a it's a Pro 500 DX and the Slick Pro 7000 DX. Excuse me, 700 DX. So yeah, it's a 500 DX and a 700 DX. And uh, the big one is, you know, it's just uh, it's much easier to work with than a ball head. It has no ball head. A lot of my students have the ball head, yeah. and uh, they're not uh, they're not as strong as what I've got with my stability on on this type of tripod. So you should even take a look at these. I mean. Yeah. They've got two handles, uh -huh. and um, a lot of my students have trained, you know, they've, they've gone from their ball heads, and now they're onto these uh, particular tripods. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So they seem more and stable. They're yeah, they're more stable. And I've noticed that a lot of times with the ball heads, um, you know, people are we're, we're taking people out to do time exposures, and the ball heads just aren't working, uh, and they're not as stable uh, with the particular camera and lens that they might be using. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll get them on the tripod, we'll get them with a cable release, and uh, capture the image. So what other little small gadgets you've got in your bag? Well, I've, you know, I've got my, I've always got a polarizer ready to go. Uh, I use it only when needed. Okay. Uh, I've got my cable releases. I've always got up to three to four cable releases. I've got extra cards and uh, batteries. Uh, one of the biggest issues I, I deal with with uh, with people is they don't have enough batteries and they're not charged. Oh, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they'll get to a yeah, they'll get to a location and. Um, the sun, the, the sunset is happening. The sky's on fire, and they say, "Oh well, my battery just died." Uh. And I say, "Well, where's your battery?" <laughs> it's, uh, you know, one of the biggest things we just try to reinforce to everybody on the trips is to be ready to go and have extra batteries, the whole bit. And um, you know, like I say, the the 5D Mark III is my big camera for the big big images, but I do have a another camera that I use to teach with. And that is the Canon G3X. Is that one a mirrorless one or no? I'm not sure if it's mirrorless or not, but it does have a tilt screen. Oh, nice. So I can, I can lift it up and I can get people behind me as I'm trying to explain something on an image. Right. And it's got a uh, 24 to 600 millimeter lens. Oh, nice. So, and it's all, it's just one lens. It's built in, so... Um, I'd say probably the main core group that comes out on our adventures uh, all have the G3X. Yeah, it sounds like a good camera. Is it very uh, is it very uh, big or? No, it's fairly small. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little heavy for people, but it's 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 much lighter than your bigger camera. So for me, like when we're going out to uh, a one day trip. Um, I'll basically use this camera most of the day until it comes time for twilight or right. afternoon light or sunrise or sunset or starlight. So um, it's got high high resolution. It's got great. Uh, uh, it's got a it's got a great sensor. It's got great eye. It's uh, it's an amazing amazing camera. Canon G3X. Wow. It's got Wi-Fi, so you can do everything. You can get everything downloaded as you go. Um, so between that and my 5D Mark III, it's um, it does it all. And I've, I've only got the three lenses. I've got the you know the 17 to 40, the 24-105, and the 70 to 300 uh, lenses. Those are the only three lenses I have. Hmm. Nice. But they cover everything you need. So that's, why, that's it. I yeah, mean, why carry extra stuff if you don't you're not going <laughs> to use it? it. <laughs> So. so are there places that you haven't traveled to that are on your wish list as far as photographing, traveling, exploring? Well, I, I know I, I want to go to more places around the world, but there's, there's so much that you can see here in the United States 
that I haven't even been to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten to Italy and Finland and uh, the Caribbean and did major jobs in Hawaii and things like that. Um, but ultimately, I, I mean, Hawaii was beautiful, but with what we've got along our California coast and our Pacific coastline, I know. I mean, I'm I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven along Highway One. So uh, there's there's so much going on within our own country uh, that you can that you can go to and see with the national parks and and like I say, there's so many places I haven't been to yet. So yeah, it's hard to say. You just gotta, <laughs> it's it's all, up, all up to you. I mean, whatever whatever picks your fancy, you know. Right. Yeah, I, I do feel we're really blessed in the United States. We have so many different types of landscapes and plenty to see to, to occupy a lifetime. I mean, really. No, absolutely. It's just, just a matter of getting out, going, and, and making it happen, you know? So what are some ways you feel um, people can improve themselves as an artist or as a photographer? as far as just seeing or capturing or, or what? What do you think is more important, kind of training your eye and learning to compose a, a strong image or learning your tools or what can help a person, you know, go out and return with some images they're happy with? Well, you know, it, it all comes, comes back to you. Um, and uh, one of the biggest things I had to learn is, like I said, I was, I'm self-taught. I never took one photo class. So everything that I've done, I, I did in camera and made my mistakes and made my errors and double exposed on top of images that I shouldn't have, and, <laughs> you know? Right. So uh, it's just a matter of, of learning your equipment and knowing what it does. And I mean, the biggest, biggest thing is learning how to speak. I mean, I was blessed with the fact that uh, I was in art. I was an artist. Uh, I was an art major. Mm-hmm. So I did all of my, um, you know, schooling and everything. I had some form of art. So learning how to place things and uh, how to see things really is a big start in, in capturing images. And um, that's one of the big issues is seeing it and then getting yourself to the location, getting a sense of place of where you are. Right. And you don't have to take a picture the minute you get out of the car. Just kind of take a step outside, take a look, uh, look at the trees, look at the sky, look at the clouds, look at the water, look what's around you and just get a real sense of place of where you are. And then, then you'll know what you want to take a picture of and what you want to see and what you want to share with others. Exactly. Well, you've given us some really great information today, William. So um, share us with us the best website. You've got photographicadventurers.com. And then if people right. want to sign up and see where you're headed next and join one of your outings, whether it's a day trip or do you still have uh, spots in Route 66? Absolutely. We've got, uh, I think we've got nine or 12 people on there uh, for this weekend, but it's a uh, it's a fun, fun day, a fun adventure, and you can find that on meetup.com slash photographic adventurers. And, um, you know, my website is wghartshorn.com. Great. Wonderful. 
and I'll put together um, some show notes. So if anyone wants to look at, I mean, especially the Canon G3X sounds like a great camera for whether you're just starting out or you've been photographing. It sounds like a great travel camera, to be honest. Oh, it's it's been amazing so far, and I know, uh, you know, it's you know it can be a little heavy, but. All of the all of the adventurers that have picked it up so far are just thrilled with it. They, the the results and what they're getting from it is amazing, and they're they're putting their big cameras down until it comes time for the big image. So uh-huh. they're getting everything they need. We were just at the air show in uh, Huntington Beach uh, this past couple of days, and the images everybody got with the G3X was was spectacular. Oh wow! Good to know. Uh, well, great. I hope. But hopefully, hopefully you can join us. Uh, come out and join us on one of the adventures sometime. Yeah, I hope to join you on one of these adventures. And you're also headed up to the Yukon to see the Northern Lights. I'm jealous. I keep seeing some incredible, <laughs> incredible auroras happening. It seems to be like a really active time for the skies. So it is. Uh, I think we're going to get up there at the at the best time. We're going up there in about a month. So uh, we've got. Uh, I think we've only got one spot left, so maybe you should take a look at the page. And, I mean, we've got 12 people going, but 11 people are signed on, and uh, who knows? Maybe you should just uh, come and join us. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> and chase be... the light with uh, photographic adventurers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, William, and we'll stay in touch, and I hope to be out and join you and your adventurers and capture the light and see the light. So have a, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you and hopefully uh, we can meet some of uh, your audience and they can come out and join us and chase the light with us. Sounds great. All right, everyone, take care. Thanks for tuning in today for my interview with William Hartshorn. Get out your cameras, get outside and make it a great trip. If you have questions, uh, send, drop me an email at april at aprilart.com to check out my photo tours for the upcoming months, including 2018 is up there. It's fallphototrips.com. And if there's photographers or places you'd like to see featured or have questions, please drop me an email or leave some feedback on how you're listening to my podcast, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher. And thanks again. Take care.